to the NFL. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on all the social medias at Sal Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L, Galore. It is great to be here, guys, talking to you about these rookies here. And we are in the thick of the offseason right now, going in and out of prospects following the draft. Um, if you are not all caught up with my Last couple of episodes, last week actually was my immediate reaction to the NFL um, rookie draft, um, the actual one, not the rookie dynasty draft that we're all doing right now. Um, I went into immediate, basically, um, risers and fallers, the biggest risers and fallers from my pre-draft rankings to my post-draft rankings. And I actually did a deep dive into my post-draft rankings. So if that interests you, make sure to check it out on all of your podcast and or YouTube streaming platforms that you may be using on all your devices at home or in your hand on the phone. Um, you'll be able to find it underneath the Dynasty War Zone um, tabs on both of those. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and give us that like, that follow, that subscribe, however you plan to do it. Um, that's how you stay in the loop and all of my content as well as everyone else here on the DWZ network. This week's episode is kind of following in that same vein here. Um, <laughs> right now, what we are dealing with um, is what I'm calling the ep episode specifically. Um, it is ADP atrocities. Um, so you are seeing some really good value and some really bad reaches here in these early rookie dynasty drafts. And I'm here to basically spell out the players that you should be looking for, um, should be looking to move up or trade back out of the spots based off of kind of what I've seen both in my drafts, based off of DLF drafts, as well as what the ADP is for, um, you know, the DFL website, as well as fantasy pros. It's going to be based off of kind of the consensus between the three of those things. I basically have the ADPs from the two websites, as well as the ADPs of the drafts that I've been in, in kind of the uh, content creator ADP drafts. So I have kind of a, a little bit of a more cutthroat insight as to what we're dealing with when it's, sorry, my dog is itching and uh, making a bunch of bell noises right now. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be diving into those atrocities, um, whether or not they are positive or negative for your game, I will dictate into, but there are five players that are bad and five players that are good based off of their ADP right now. And I'm here to break it down. Um, so once again, um, just get kind of all the advertising out of the way here first. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see my headband here. This is one of the products among many from different lines that I'm currently hosting on the Dynasty War Zone um, it's, it's my individual Etsy shop, but we are doing a lot of Dynasty Warzone specific products. Um, there's the Dynasty Supreme brand currently out. It will be running out until the end of May. Then we'll be dropping our new design. Um, once it goes away, it's basically gone forever, guys. So if you are interested, go ahead and do that. I'm also about to drop a couple of other drops um, anime related on the website. That is uh, Etsy.com. You can find me at Dally's Merch, D-A-L-L-Y-S-M-E-R-C-H. Um, it is pinned down here in the description as well as on the banner if you're watching on YouTube. But it's a great place to pick up some nice uh, little gear. But again, um, that's pretty much everything out of the way that I need to talk about. We'll just go ahead and dive, uh, dive into this content here with... I'm going to go back and forth. A good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, basically. So um, one of the biggest values that I'm seeing in rookie drafts that you're going to be able to take advantage of thus far is Rasheed Rice at the wide receiver position. We are talking about 
a situation that I think people in the dynasty space are overreacting to based off of what happened the last time a Chiefs took a wide receiver high in the draft. Um, this is the first second round wide receiver. Well, sorry, the second second round wide receiver um, that they've taken in the last two years. And the third overall in what has been a less than successful run, I would say, out of the gates for some of these wide receivers. The first was Meikle Hardman dealing with the Tyreek Hill issue. The second was last year in Sky Moore, and they doubled down again this year going with Rasheed Rice. The biggest difference between Rasheed Rice and these other guys is the size and physicality that he has a tendency to play with. Um, as of right now, he is the only one on the roster outside of MBS that truly fits that outside X role. Um, he's one of the most physical and physically dominating basically wide receivers in this draft class. And as of right now, his ADP accumulation across those three sources I've mentioned before is sitting at the 210. So you are currently getting what projects to be Kansas City's wide receiver two, probably as the floor wide receiver two in 2024 as the 10th pick in the second round. Uh, by allowing that ADP to basically stand, you are allowing someone that was contending for the title to basically walk into Rasheed Rice at the 210. Um, I don't know why that's the case. Again, he was the 55th overall player selected by Kansas City in this year's draft. He's walking into a role that has completely vacated in the form of Juju Smith-Schuster's underneath role. Um, he will have time basically to learn, sit behind. Yes, I understand that it may not be super alluring to take him higher than the 210, but in my ranks, personally, I have him sitting right at the 204, even in Superflex. Um, you're getting six spots where the value taking him at the 210. Um, if you think that that will last, I would suggest basically trading back a little bit in the second round. There's quite a few guys on this list that are currently being picked ahead of Rishi Rice that I think is hilarious right now. Um, there's just a lot of value to be had right now in these early drafts. So you need to pay attention to these guys falling or sliding. A guy from the same position... Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, a different position. We'll go a different position, basically, on this one um, that I think is slightly higher than what he should be based off of the situation he fell into, as well as the overall competition at the running back position with guys following in the similar range, for some reason, dropping quite a bit further than this guy is Zach Charbonnet. And I started out as one of the biggest Zach Charbonnet fans, still love the guy, still love his game. It's just the situation of falling into a backfield with Kenneth Walker already in it that is very scary to you. Um, if you're assuming that Charbonnet is going to be taking half the workload out of the gate, that's a little misguided, especially with how good that Kenneth Walker was last year. And then if you're expecting him to take over immediately the pass catching game, that's kind of crazy as well, because one Kenneth Walker was serviceable as a wide receiver last year out of the backfield. They already had DJ Dallas, who's perennially underrated. And then what did they do? They went ahead and drafted what many argue as probably the second or third best pure receiving back in this year's class in the form of Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia later on in the draft. So they drafted two running backs to back up Kenneth Walker, who already had a kind of a dominant chokehold on the NFL uh, running back draft positional wise, as well as team positional wise for the Seattle Seahawks uh, mainstay in dynasty. I think his dynasty like RB two before Charbonnet was selected, something like that. Um, so it's just very intriguing that his current ADP is at the one Oh nine. When you have the likes of guys like uh, Kendra Miller, you have the likes of Devin a chain. You have the likes of Ty J Spears, all who kind of fell into that same type of sitting behind a stud running back at most, you're going to see okay to minimal production in year one. And you're really doing the 2024 
boom. Uh, I would be going more for the production of what I expect to happen in two years and just wait, especially if you're taking a dice roll on the current situation of these running backs, I would be, be waiting on my next guy who I think is perennially underrated for retrospect. Ty J Spears is the guy that I have next on this list who I have as basically being uh, undervalued right now. He is currently going at the two Oh seven in rookie drafts whopping if you're counting a whopping 10 spots lower than what Zach Charbonnet is in the first round. And you're looking at realistically a better situation than what Zach Charbonnet fell into. And a guy that I had in the same running back tier as a Zach Charbonnet. Tajay Spears goes to Tennessee. He's going to sit behind Derrick Henry year one, just like Charbonnet is going to sit behind Kenneth Walker. He may be sprinkled in a little bit. If injury pops off for any of these guys, it's something that's very optimistic to their outlook long-term. But the thing with Tajay Spears that Zach Charbonnet doesn't have, Tajay Spears walks into basically the starting role. If he succeeds or shows out this year in Tennessee, I'm one of the most run heavy offenses that we're going to have. So the disparity between Zach Charbonnet at the 109 and Ty J Spears at the 207 is very confusing to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'd be way more inclined and have been way more inclined at that back end of the first to go wide receiver or tight end, high end tight end at the beginning or the back end of the first, as opposed to reaching on one of these running backs, because I'm almost guaranteed to get one of them at my go around in the second round. So I would just tell you to watch out for the running back value. Don't reach. Even if you do like the guy, if the landing spot was terrible, you do have to take that into account, especially when there's a large block of these running backs that were drafted round two to round four. Decent day, ca- uh, decent draft capital, decent landing spots just behind veteran running backs. So, again, take the value. Don't reach for the guy. And that's coming from a big, sharp fan. That's all I'm going to say. Going on to the next player that I think is pretty overrated right now based off of where the other tight ends are going is Michael Mayer. Um, Michael Mayer right now is going off the board at tight end two. He was selected by the Las Vegas Raiders at the 35th overall pick. So the third pick in the second round. And I get that is a great draft capital, but there were like six tight ends drafted on day two in this year's NFL draft. And Michael Mayer landed in probably the most crowded passing situation out of any of them in Las Vegas. He has to contend with not only Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro's return, but as well as Josh Jacobs, who has been eating away in the passing game. Um, Zamir White getting an expanded role on offense this year. And the fact that they added Jacoby Myers in from New England. I don't know where all these targets that people think Myers is going to get, but for at a minimum the next two years, we are basically locked in with the pass catchers that we have there. And he comes in as what target four in this offense. It's just not realistic for high end production year one. His value is going to dip. You're going to end up having to sell him for less than what you actually drafted him for, which is just a little bit concerning. If you ask me, Michael Mayer is a guy I am backing away. Yes. I understand that Austin Hooper is the only real competition there. Austin Hooper is a very serviceable tight end. Um, It's a guy that Michael Mayer actually is a pretty good comp to as Austin Hooper there out of Tennessee, formerly the Atlanta Falcons, et cetera. But um, the thing with Michael Mayer is that just in any tight end in that offense, I just don't trust um, Josh McDaniels. And I just don't trust that he's going to get consistent workload going forward to really give you that 202 ADP that he's rocking right now. I think Kincaid in the first is something that makes sense. But other than that, it's kind of a crapshoot at tight end. So I'd much rather take one at the tail end of the third round or the middle of the third round than a guy like Michael Mayer, who doesn't have a ton of upside in the offense that he landed in. 
A guy that I think is perennially underrated right now is Mr. Josh Downs. He was drafted with the 79th overall pick in the third round by the Indianapolis Colts. And this is one that I actually picked in my pre-draft positional fits. Um, This is probably the best landing spot that Downs could have fit because he immediately walks in, takes over that slot role, can be that short safety blanket that allows Alec Pierce to just kind of eat on the outside as he was intended to. Michael Pittman to fully roam all over the field again where he needs to be put is everywhere because he's very good in space, very good in contested catches and very good at yak for as big as he is and opening up a safety blanket, truly eat the separation space underneath from the wide receiver position makes a ton of sense. I love the landing spot. The thing that is just funny to me is he's going as the three Oh two right now. And if you look at all the wide receivers right now with ADP in the second round that are going ahead of a guy like Josh downs, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Zay Flowers, yes, went in the first. understand that from draft capital, but we're getting Jalen Hyatt sneaking in ahead of a guy like Josh Downs. Marvin Mims, who's in a severely crowded, 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 crowded wide receiver group, going ahead of Josh Downs. And again, going at the 302, I like Josh Downs even more than I like Rasheed Rice and his landing spot. So the fact that he's going was that five spots later than rice is even more blasphemous to me it's just two guys that i think are falling very very far you're getting a lot of flyers on tight ends and running backs with not a ton of upside based off a landing spot right now that people are taking over and i think that's going to be something people are going to be regretting come mid-season of the 2024 um you know nfl dynasty fantasy football season a guy that's being severely overrated that's going one pick just behind Josh Downs is Zach Evans. I'm just going to be the one to blamely tell all of you guys, Zach Evans should not be going at the 303 right now as a consensus ADP across multiple sources. Uh, He got picked in the sixth round with the 215th pick in an offense that has looked abysmal in the run game for the last two and a half, almost three years. Cam Akers looked good at the end of last season for Cam Akers doing what he needed to do. But the fact is everyone in that offense still underneath four yards per carry as an average. The offensive line is in shambles. The offense in general is in shambles, and they're probably going to be tearing it down. He's not only competing with Cam Akers, but he's comparing uh, competing with a better runner, in my opinion, in Kyron Williams from last year. So there's a lot of uh, moving pieces in that offense. Uh, I think it's going to be a pass-heavy offense again, as they have been so often here as of late underneath Sean of the day. And the fact that he's going at the three three ahead of guys that were drafted hundreds of picks ahead of him in the draft is absolutely insane to me not going to talk about him anymore i'm just telling you right now you're overdrafting zach evans a guy that's being underrated and another perfect example of what i'm talking about is a guy that's going currently 11 picks behind zach evans and that's michael wilson the wide receiver drafted by the arizona cardinals Uh, the arizona cardinals selected him with the 94th overall pick he was a top 100 pick He's going around after a guy that was selected literally 130 picks after him in Zach Evans. And he's looking like he could very easily be just the wide receiver three in this offense going forward. He's the only true big slot that they have on the team. DeAndre Hopkins is not long for the world in Arizona. And this is a move that like... I would much rather play on the Michael Wilson pick for next year or the tail end of this year, hoping that Nuke gets moved by the trade deadline, which is based off of all reports, basically what's going to happen. And for those saying that they don't really need wide receiver help because they have like Rondo Moore and stuff, I would just say like 
all of the people out there, the talking head pieces and stuff are still talking about how this team just still needs help, still needs weapons, still needs wide receivers because the ones that they have outside of DeAndre Hopkins really haven't balled out. Uh, there was a decent connection between Kyler and uh, between a guy like Marquise Brown, but in all reality, they're probably not going to be putting their bodies on the line as much when they're dealing with, a, I don't know, a rookie passer, a fill-in passer on this team whoever decides to be the starter when Kyler's out. So it'll just be interesting to see what happens. I think Michael Wilson's going to be probably a lot of reps just to see what they have in him in a gone year where they don't really need to prove anything with the weapons that they have. So I'm very interested to see how this works out. Um, I'm surprised that he's going in the fourth round for a guy that was everyone's kind of darling as like a top six or seven wide receiver beforehand. Uh, he's going in the same range as a guy like Xavier Hutchinson, which like I love Hutch. I still love Hutch. I think, still think the landing spot's great, but like a guy that was one once again, drafted like 100 picks behind Michael Wilson, shouldn't be drafted in the same area because they have realistically the same outlook on offense with Houston as you do in Arizona this year. It, it's probably going to be a little bit ugly on offense, and you just got to go with the guy who is going to get the most targets, which realistically should be Michael Wilson. Um, right now he's going, I think, one yeah one pick behind Xavier Hutchinson, which is just wild to me um but yeah a guy who is being severely overdrafted as well um the fourth man of this category is evan hull um this is exclusively due to the team that he went to um it's the fact that he is sitting behind jonathan taylor they already have a big bodied backup who i think is a better overall prospect and player in the form of zach moss they already have kind of some scat backs in there mixed in with the uh, later round picks and undrafted free agencies that, that it picked up last year and this year right now. And this team is just going to be running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. Evan Hull is just nothing but a late round handcuff pick. But the fact of the matter is he's going in the mid fourth. I can't be super mad at you for taking a shot on the guy. I just would rather take a shot on uh, <laughs> take a shot on some other wide receivers at this point. You can take your running back shots if you want to at this point, but just looking at it, like you, I would rather take a shot on a guy like A.T. Perry in New Orleans went down there. Michael Thomas has one year contract down there. It's going to be late, I believe, thir- what, 31 next year at the end of the season. Uh, you bring in the big bodied guy. Outside of Michael Thomas and Olave, they don't have anyone of note even remotely down there. A.T. Perry was a guy I liked a lot. You have Tank Dell, who's currently going as the 52nd pick right now, wide receiver 18 in rookie drafts. Absolutely wild. Dude was drafted in the second round. Doesn't make sense. A lot of people I would rather have over a guy like Evan Hull, who I think is a wasted pick in the fourth. A perfect example is a guy going six picks behind Evan Hull in the form of Tyler Scott. This is a fourth-round wide receiver who was picked specifically to be the replacement of Darnell Mooney, who was the favorite target of Justin Fields last year. Um, I understand there's not a lot of leeway, a lot of runway really for year one production. But again, if you're picking in the fourth round, I would much rather have a guy like Tyler Scott over a guy like Evan Hull. Just makes a little bit more sense to go with a guy that has blazing speed. A guy that was extremely productive, extremely explosive in the Cincinnati offense last year who came in to play a very specific role on a guy that's in the contract here. Um, Tyler Scott makes a lot of sense and will basically be a day one starter as the wide receiver for a day one starter as the punt returner specifically on the team. Um, he already kicked off basically Valus Jones off of this roster would be my guess. And so it, it's just a, a team that's looking for weapons, got a very explosive one. And I would much rather take a shot on him in the fourth than pretty much anyone that's drafted ahead of him in the fourth round. Doesn't make a ton of sense for Keem Jarrett going ahead of him right now. doesn't make a lot of sense. Hell Stetson Bennett is going ahead of him in the fourth right now. 
doesn't make any sense to me. Um, a lot of wide receiver help and a lot of wide receiver upside in this fourth round that you guys can be taking into account. And then the last one, um, this is a perfect situation where I think people are going to end up regretting regretting taking the shot on the Green Bay tight ends. They drafted two within the first 75 picks in the form of Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave is currently going around and a half ahead of Tucker Craft when there was only a 30-pick difference between the two picks. And he's the one I like the least out of the two. So Luke Musgrave is the tight end that afterwards, him going at the 305 right in that range with Zach Evans, right in that range with Josh Downs, uh, Evan Hull doesn't uh, make a ton of sense really um, just in general him going in the third round and Tucker Craft going in the fourth doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at it it's a very similar situation of what we've had to deal with with the tight end position in Baltimore um, the people that are very confident either way in the tight ends um, typically end up being wrong is what I would say um, you usually aren't going to get that explosive nature from either one of them. Both of them play the exact same game. So basically one of them is going to end up being that move tight end. And then the other one is not going to be able to do the blocking role. So I have no idea what they're planning on doing with them. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how that works out. I just don't think that I'm willing to take the gamble at that 305 right now, even with a top 50 tight end. Um, just because again, in that 305 range, you're looking at guys like Sam Laporta is going like the 302 to 303 consensus right now. Um, you're looking just in general at this tight end position and you're like, okay, well, Luke Schoonmaker is going what 10 picks behind a uh, guy like uh, Tucker Craft and Tucker Craft's going 10 picks behind a guy like Luke Musgrave. Why don't I just get Schoonmaker who is in the exact same contested situation as a Musgrave is? Uh, except he has an easier pathway and a better offense in the form of Dak Prescott-led Dallas Cowboys. Um, wasn't big on Musgrave coming into the process. The landing spot didn't help me out, and then they doubled down on tight end, and I was like, I am Audi 500. But – that's just been the general gist right here. wanted to give you a quick shot episode this week to go over those uh, ADP atrocities. Like I said, it's, it's just things that shouldn't be happening right now. It's going to level out as the offseason goes on. But if you have drafts early right now, you need to pay attention to these 10 players specifically. Um, five I personally will probably be avoiding at their current ADP, and five I will be targeting heavily at their ADP. Um, and it's always funny how this works out. It's because it's guys that I didn't love in the process that I'm going to leave a lot of rookie drafts with. Um, specifically. So like if you looked at people that I liked, I loved Sharp. I lo loved Sajay Speaker, stuff like that. But they're in weird spots right now, ADP wise, where you have to attack the ones that are starting to fall a little bit. And I'd much rather attack Rasheed Rice, attack Tajay Spears, attack Josh Downs, even attack Michael Wilson. Um, I feel like Michael Wilson is going to end up being what Jahad Dotson was for me last year. I didn't like Michael Wilson because he's a projection and he's an injury prone player, but where he's falling when I'm in that mid to late um, third, I'll probably take a shot on him because that's, where he should be going and the fact that he's not going for a round afterwards just means well upside for me sounds good uh so yeah 
it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But this has been the Rookie Rundown. Um, just wanted to give you a quick episode. Like I said, ADP atrocities. Stay tuned as we will be diving into some more player-specific um, landing spots next week and the week following. I'm going to be doing deep dives to really give you the nitty-gritty of what the outlook is going to look like for these players going into rookie training camps, which already started the off season, as well as address kind of some floating free agents that are still out there that might be affecting your rookie outlook in 2024. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on Twitter and on the socials at salad galore, Dallas, but backwards with the double L and until next time, talk about rookies, learn about rookies guys, and have a great. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.